in church. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you guys again this morning. My name is Jordan Massey. We're going to be continuing our series today on winning the war in your mind. You know, two weeks ago, Jeff and Lynn started us out with your battle, our battlefield. And then last week, Michael Burns talked about your enemy. And then today, we're talking about your defense. And the way Michael kind of referenced it last week, I, I kind of liked that. The first week is the Avengers movie, right? Where it's like, we're at war, but it's exciting. And then Michael kind of left us hanging last week, Infinity War, right? It's like Thanos snapped at the end of his lesson and we were kind of left without hope. And then he said, this was going to be end game. And I was maybe a little bit too much pressure for my lesson, but <laughs> we are going to be talking about God's word this morning as we're discussing your defense, and so today my goal is to equip you with three practicals from the book we've been reading, Winning the War in Your Mind. And if you've read the book or you're reading the book, a lot of this will sound familiar. And that's kind of the point, is us being able to go through this together and go through a process of what does it actually look like for God to change the way that we think. And so we're starting, we're going to go through three practicals. The first one is to remove the lie. Remove the lie. Uh, we had an incredible time last week talking about Satan and the powers of principalities and how they lie to us and deceive us. We're going to start in John chapter 8, talking about Satan. And this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees, and he says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies... He speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and a father of lies. Man, Jesus right here, man, he gets serious, man. Jesus, that, that joker's a murderer. That, man, I mean, that's, did I say that right? That Satan is a murderer. I hope that's what I said. But Satan, Satan is a murderer, right? Like he, he lies. He's a father of lies. In fact, if we're talking about Satan, the only place in Scripture where Satan is a creator is a creator of lies. He's a father. He creates, he leads, he guides, he creates deceit. And this is his main goal. We were talking about this last week and, and all the ways that he uses the powers and principalities against us. You know, to, to explain this, um, I want to I talk a little bit. The, uh, I wanted spring to happen today. I wore a short sleeve shirt. It was a little colder than I thought. But, but I want to talk about the seasons in Alaska, all right? In Alaska, there's winter. And there's July. And that's about it, right? But then when it gets warm, all the snow melts. And, and on the dirt roads up there, uh, you know, it gets the, the, the roads all muddy. And then when a car drives on it, it, it creates rut. And it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And up there, there's signs like this that read, Driver, please choose carefully which rut you drive in because you'll be in it for the next 20 miles. And I want to talk about this because we all know what it's like to be in a rut, don't we? Why do I keep on doing the same thing over and over again? Doggone it, I will never push the snooze button again. And why do I do it constantly? Why do I keep thinking the same thoughts? Why does it always come back in again and again and again? You know, Satan knows exactly how your brain works. He knows exactly how to get you in a rut. 
So if we're going to remove the lies, we got to understand how our brains work. I love what uh, Tereji was talking about in, about neural pathways. I actually want to read a quote about that from the book. Every thought you have produces a neurochemical change in your mind. Your brain literally redesigns itself around that thought. The brain is a command center that directs the parts of your body through neurons. Now, neurons link together to create messages. And when the same message is sent multiple times, it will create a neural pathway. The presence of a neural pathway makes a thought easier to think and makes it easier for your body to send that message again. And he continues, this is part of the reason we so often get what we expect. If you keep thinking you're a victim who never has a steady job or a long-lasting relationships, you're training your brain to look for evidence which supports that belief and to filter out evidence which doesn't. You literally condition your brain to reinforce what you already believe. You create a victim rut. You see, Satan knows this. He knows that at first when he lies to you, it seems kind of foreign and that is not true, but he kind of just gets us to think about it for a second. But the next couple of times we think it, it becomes a little easier. And then as he kind of weaves it into the way that we think, we start to form a neural pathway of a lie from him. And before we know it, we subconsciously are living off of a lie that we don't even realize is there. And that's when he has us in his grasp when we don't even realize that we're living out a lie from him and we're acting and our behavior is based off of a lie. You guys following me? It's so important to know this. So what are we going to do? We're not going to let Satan hide in darkness any longer. We're going to say, we're tired of your lies, Satan. You can't hide in the darkness. We're going to call them out and shed light on what you have been doing. So to remove the lie, first though, we have to identify the lie. You can't remove what you do not define. If you act like you don't have lies in your brain and if you don't identify what they are, you're, you will always lose. Because you can't fight what you don't know is there. So first we're gonna identify the lie. So to remove the lie, we gotta identify it. How are we gonna identify it? We're gonna ask probing questions. And just like the iceberg, we might see our behavior kind of on the top of the water, but there's really a thought process behind it all. So we're going to start with our behavior. What behavior do I want to change? Then we're going to take a step deeper under the water. Now, what thought process takes me to that behavior? Take a step deeper. Well, is, am I living off of fear or is, is there some wrong thought pattern that's been keeping me from freedom? We're going to ask ourselves probing questions to identify the lie from Satan. Does that make sense? And then once we find the lie, we got to address it and specifically state it. You know, for me, uh, the lie that has plagued my life has been a simple sentence that you are not good enough. And, and Satan used like some kind of my childhood and stuff of my father and a whole backdrop to get me to believe that. But at some point it got embedded in my brain. And you can look through my whole life and you can see again and again and again me trying to fight against that lie or to answer the question of am I good enough? So in the world, right, so much of it revolved around girls because I got, because I'm dating this girl, I got this girl under my arm, that means I'm good enough, right? 
or then I went to grades in school. Well, I got into Georgia Tech, so that means I'm good enough, right? And then, and then it, or it was like people pleasing, or uh, well, I'm accepted by them, or I'm approved by them, or I made them laugh. That means that I'm good enough, right? And then when I got baptized, that all went away. Psych, I <laughs> know. That it all, like those thought patterns come with us. And so then even as a disciple, I found myself going to spiritual things because I had a great quiet time and I've been pure this long, I'm good enough. Or, or to go to my work for value. You know, for me, my job is ministry, right? I love my job. And I would go, okay, well, look, I'm good enough because of the size of the ministry I lead. Or I'm good enough because of the, the conference or this large group that invited me to come speak. That means I'm good enough, right? And you can look through my whole life and there's that lie plaguing me. How has Satan been lying to you? Do you know like what it is that he's embedded in you that you come back to again and again and again? You can't fight it unless you know what it is. How has he been deceiving you? What is the lie that's implanted in your neural pathways, in your subconscious? What we're going to do is we're going to list out these lies. We're going to bring it into the light, out of the darkness, into the lights. So the first practical removing the lie is you got to figure out what it is, and then you got to list it out. And so make a list of the lies you believe. You know, for me, I just talked about I'm not good enough. Maybe for you, it's, well, if I had more, then I would be happy. And you find yourself getting jealous over your neighbor's car or their new paint job on their, or, or their, their addition to their house. Or you find yourself just longing for the promotion and more money and the, the new gadget or the new clothes. And there's a lie he's got in there that, man, if I just had more, then I'd be happy. Or maybe for you, it's, you know, the lie is God can't really be trusted. I need to be in control of my life. And the behavior that you see is more, why am I always so controlling? Perfectionist, have to have it my way at work, with my family, with my friends. Why am I that way? And there's actually a lie to, do I actually trust God? There's a lie in there. We're going to list it out. We're going to decide, Satan, enough is enough. You're not getting me no more, Satan. We're going to list it out. We're going to call out your lies. We're going to remove them. We're going to say, I'm not living this way anymore. Amen. But we can't just remove it because then seven demons come back in, right? The second uh, pr practical, our second point is to replace with scripture. So after we, re we remove the lie, we replace it with scripture. What is our weapon going to be to fight for freedom, to, to, to give us freedom from these lies? Well, it's the truth of scripture, amen? It has to come back against the powers and principalities of this world. It's the truth that is in the word of God. John 17, 17, Jesus, as he's talking to God, uh, says, God, your word is truth. We find the truth to the lies of, from the lies of Satan, we find truth in his word. So this is all over scripture, right? And um, if we go through a couple of verses, in Philippians 4, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, think about such things. It's biblical to fill our minds with truth and to push out the lies. In Ephesians 4, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Well, Jordan, isn't this about your neighbor? It's not about me. Well, whoa, whoa, hang on. Second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as? 
yourself. So whatever in the Bible it says to do to your neighbor and to love your neighbor in that way, we should also be doing and loving ourselves in that way. And so I need to, in my own brain, to push off falsehood and to speak truth to myself. Or how about in 2 Timothy chapter 2? In the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil. Now, in context, this is about opponents and people that have left the faith and and that we want to restore back to the faith. But the principle is awesome for what we're talking about. Satan has a trap for you, church. He wants to trap you. His main objective in life is to destroy your humanity, to make you not have a walk with God on this earth and in the next. He wants to trap you. That's a reality whether you want to believe it or not. But there's a way out. And what does it say? How how does God bring us to repentance? Well, it's through the knowledge of the truth. It's through the scriptures. And it's through his truth that really will bring us out and help us come to our senses. But I love this here. It's not that I force my brain to to change. It's that God grants repentance. That we partner with God. We're going to do our work of casting out the lie, identifying it, of going to scripture and to truth. But we know that full wholehearted change only comes by partnering with God and he grants the repentance. Amen. So how are we going to do this though? If we go back to our lies, how are we going to really replace it with truth? Well, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to find scripture that directly speaks truth into the lie. We're going to find scripture that's not just what, I, what I'm reading in my, my Bible reading plan, not just the new chapter that I read today, but scripture that specifically speaks truth into our lives. And so for me, this is an old notebook of mine, and um, I think this is from 2016. And what I did with this lie of I'm not good enough, because in my, uh, how I, I processed that, like I was saying before, I would try to find my identity or my worth in the things of this world to prove that I'm good enough. Does that make sense? And so what I needed to do is I needed to come back and go to, well, who does God say I am? And how am I good enough because of the identity that he gives me? So I went through and I listed out 60 scriptures of my identity in Christ. And I went through over multiple days going through like all the ones that I could think of and researching online. And I went through different pages of who does God say that I am? And I listed it all out. So I had a wealth of bank to go back to, to fight that lie. So you start there, you find a list of scriptures, but then the next thing you do is you choose one or two that really do it for you, that really challenge that lie. And we're gonna go back to our list of lies And then we're going to write out the truth right next to it. So we have a list of our lies. And then we're going to list the scriptures of truth truth to replace that lie. So for me, my favorite was Romans 8. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. I love this verse. For me, it just spoke to me that I'm a dearly loved son of God. He has made me his son, so I'm good enough because of who I am before him and not of this world. That spoke wonders to me. Let's go through the other lies we mentioned. Maybe if your lie is if I had more, then I'd be happy. Maybe you write out Philippians 4. 
I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, because I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Maybe write that one out. Or if yours is God can't be trusted, maybe you write out Romans 5. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And, and you really write that out. And you, you think through long before I trusted him with my life, he trusted me with his life. And, and, and you, you think through and you, you say, okay, well, what's the most trustworthy thing is love. And he loved me way before I loved him. So he's trust, you write that out. I'm, and I'm a visual learner. So I went back through in my journal and, and what I did when I wrote this stuff out, I took out the red marker and I X'd out the lies, right? I'm not believing that no more. And I circled the, the scripture and underlined it. Like just try to get it into my brain. The truth of scripture. We're calling out the lies. We're not letting Satan win anymore. We're gonna take the truth of scripture specifically for the lie we believe. We're gonna use it as our defense, our weapon in this battle for our minds, amen? And then the third point, the third practical is to rewire your brain to think truth. Now we re we've removed the lie. We've replaced it with scripture, but now we gotta rewire our brain to think scripture and not think lie. Um, this, is a, this is a recent picture of our family. Shout out to Maggie Karanja and her photo cred, you know. And so uh, we got little Camden, little Caleb. We love our boys. But just in case you don't have any children or it's been a long time since you had little children, we have two little children, which means that every morning and every night the Masseys go to war. It's a crazy house, right? And it's, Cam, get up, put on your clothes. We're doing nighttime changing. Change the sheets, brush your teeth. Do, do, I mean, it's just, there's so many things, right? And in the morning, whenever we say, hey, Cam, let's go brush your teeth, his immediate response every single day for the last year has been, hey, Cam, let's go brush your teeth. I don't want to do my hair. <laughs> Why does he say that? Well, because we always do his hair after he brushes teeth. We've learned you can't tell him we're doing his hair, but he knows. <laughs> Daddy, I don't want to do my hair. Which I respond to him, one of my favorite songs to sing to my son. I usually go, well, you can't always get what you want, <laughs> but you get what you need. I think he really loves it when I sing that to him. You know, it's kind of reviving. No, he, he hates it. <laughs> but it helps me process, right? <laughs> But I've heard of this magical moment in a, in a child's life that changes the household forever. Where after dinner, you can tell your kid, hey, go upstairs, take a bath and get in bed and I'll come say goodnight. And they can do it without any help. <laughs> I've heard of this mystical promised land. Like, I don't know if it's real or not. <laughs> like, but I don't know if someone's dangling, you know, in front of me, I don't know. <laughs> but we're trying to get there, right? Because right now, I know there's a lot we have to do to get him there. There's a lot he has to learn, right? And so we've been working on him um, learning to change his clothes for like six months, right? And it's actually really difficult to take off your shirt. Like trying to get the elbow through, that is tough. And so everyone's been doing it for decades, congratulations. <laughs> You're doing a great job, all right? So we've been doing this for six months and usually it goes, okay, you know, it's just, hey, Cam, take off your clothes, put on your pajamas. No, Cam, get off your brother. Okay, Cam, get off, take off your clothes, put on your pajamas. Cam, 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 
Kim, put down the toy. Kim, stop screaming in your brother's ear. Okay, Kim, Kim, put down, take off your clothes, put on your pajamas. Kim, Kim, okay, I love you too. Thanks for the hug, but you need to still take off your clothes. Put on your <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. Now, what's interesting, what's interesting is that Cam actually knows how to do all those things. Like, I've seen him do it without my help a number of times. It's just not his neural pathway yet. <laughs> he, 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 it's just not his go-to. His go-to as a three-year-old is to play, and the, uh, he's a massy boy. He has all the energy in the world, right? Like, to play and be as loud as physically possible. And so I have to train him to do that without thinking. Why do I bring all that up? Because I'm going crazy. No, <laughs> Why do, I bring, why do I bring all that up? It's because just because you've replaced, re identified that lie and replaced it a couple times, and you, just because you know how to do that, doesn't mean that's your go-to throughout your life. Doesn't mean that like throughout your day-to-day -day life, when that situation at work happens, that subconsciously you're thinking truth instead of subconsciously you're responding from that lie. Does that make sense? So how do we retrain the way that we think? How do we rewire our brains to adopt the truth of Scripture instead of the lies from Satan? How do we do that? What the book talks about is creating a new neural pathway, and he calls it a truth trench. A truth trench. So a rut, right, is typically formed in mud and becoming a nuisance, even a danger, a rut is unintentionally created. You could say it's intentionally created by Satan, but it's unintentional to us. It's unintentionally created, has no purpose, and requires repair. While a trench is intentionally dug, something we do intentionally, to deliver a necessary resource, a trench has a specific purpose and fixes an existing problem. So we have to rewire our brains to form new neural pathway thoughts so we subconsciously think scripture instead of lies. So how are we going to do this? I want to close out our time talking about two practicals, meditation and declaration. Meditation and declaration. The power of meditation. How to rewire our brains to think truth. Psalms 1, it's one of my favorite. Blesses the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever they do prospers. Long before humans figured out the brain and neural pathways and all that kind of stuff, God was teaching us how to use our brains in his favor. And was teaching us how to use our brains to help us in a walk with him. How often should we meditate on the word of God? Not just every day, but day and night, to send those same thoughts again and again and again to form new neuron connections, new messages, new neural pathways, to meditate on his word. And that, through the changing of the mind, the deeper part of the iceberg, then that changes the behavior to help us become a tree. So what are some principles of meditation? You know, first, you got to choose a small scripture. You can't meditate on the book of Galatians. <laughs> can't do that. But you can meditate on Galatians 5, 21 to 23, you can pick a few, you pick a few verses. But the whole idea of meditation, so in Christianity, there's contemplation, which is uh, emptying your brain and, and, and submitting, uh, giving your consent to God. And then there's meditation, which is filling your brain. 
So meditation is when you fill your brain with scripture. It's I'm not going to think about anything else except these few verses. I'm not thinking about that project at work. I'm not thinking about my family and what they need to do today. I'm not thinking about that game tonight and I hope the Lakers lose. I'm thinking about the word of God. And so you fill yourself with the word of God. Read it multiple times. Just questions you're going to ask like, Spirit, what are you trying to say to me? And you read it again. What is he kind of calling out? Or when I read this verse, how does it make me feel? Why do I feel that way about, about the scripture? What is, what is God trying to tell me? How can I apply it in my life? What I love doing is I love going word by word and then it's adding it. So I read the first word and I just think about that word. Then I read the, the, the second word. So I read the first word and the second word and then I think about that second word by itself. Then I read the three words and I think about the third word by itself. And, and as I went through Romans 8 uh, years ago and I was really meditating on that, you know, it says he's brought about your adoption to sonship. And that word adoption, sitting and meditating on that and kind of like wine, kind of like letting it, Mm, mm, mm. Like it is sitting on it, it blew my mind. You know, in adoption, when you have kids naturally, you can't choose anything about them. We couldn't choose if Cameron and Caleb were going to be boy or girl. We couldn't choose how tall they were going to be, how smart they were going to be. For Toy and I, we couldn't even choose their color. Like, we can choose nothing. But when you adopt, well, you can choose everything. You can choose if it's a boy or girl can choose what color they are. You can choose through their history, okay, how smart should they, is it projected for them to be? Or how tall is it projected for them to be? You can choose. So God didn't just have me naturally, he adopted me to sonship. That means he chose me, that I was good enough for him to choose. That God gave me that truth through meditation and sitting on that verse. That's why it's one of my favorites, meditation. Now, I know meditation isn't a new concept for many of us. But when was the last time you did it? When was the last time you didn't just go through your reading plan? I read a chapter and kind of thought a little bit about it. And I moved, but no, I'm sitting on a few verses. And I'm not going anywhere else mentally except right here in the word of God. I'm not letting anything else come to my brain except these few words. I'm going to let the scripture change me. And it, it's through that process of meditating day and night that the scripture starts building new neural pathways. Amen? Amen. So that's meditation. How else are we going to rewire the way that we think? It's through declaration. Declaration. I do want to point out that I, 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 I'm two out of three on spelling, all right? So here's declaration spelled the right way. Here's declaration spelled the right way. Then after the 9 a.m., I was told that is not declaration right there. <laughs> Del caring. You know what I'm saying? We're creating new words today. All right. People can't make fun of you if you make fun of yourself. All right. So declaration. Declaration. What is a declaration? Well, a declaration is what you are declaring to be true in your battle against the lies you are tempted to believe. It's saying, hey, I got my life. For me, I'm not good enough. I got the truth. I'm chosen. I'm good enough because I'm a son of God. He's adopted me. Then what I decided, I made a declaration, God, I'm drawing everything from you. Now, that's not coloring, like, God, I'm coloring. It's like drawing from a well, right? It's drawing water from a well. I didn't call it a declaration years ago when I made this. I hadn't read this book. Um, I called it my dominant spiritual thought. My mentor, Tom, that's the language he taught me. And so that's how I came up with this. But I would think this constantly. And while I would read Romans 8 dozens of times, I would think this declaration hundreds of times. 
And throughout my day, whenever something happened, and, and maybe something happened at work or with some friendships or with Toya, and I'd feel angry or insecure, I would repeat this. God, I'm drawing everything from you. God, I'm drawing everything from you. God, I'm not drawing my security from, from her. I'm not getting my worth from work. I'm drawing my worth from you. Or in other times, maybe I was tempted to feel arrogant because I thought like I did really good. And, and no, no, God, I'm not getting my confidence or my strength from what just happened. I'm getting my confidence and strength from you. I'm not getting my security. I'm drawing everything from you. And I'd repeat it to myself again and again and again. And what did that do? It formed a new neural pathway in my brain. And not that I don't ever struggle with this, I still do. But it has completely changed and I've grown. And throughout my day, I find myself subconsciously not going to other things for my worth. Because there's a new neural pathway through meditation and declaring that I have a new neural pathway. And throughout my day, I've subconsciously, I'm getting things from God and not things of this world. So you make declarations. I love Gary Adams after the 9 a.m. came and talked to me. He said, hey, bro, I love that. He said, what I need, I can't just think it. I have to say it out loud. Even declaring kind of implies out loud. But he said, I have to say it to myself, what I need to believe. And I have to hear myself say it to myself. We meditate and we declare. And that rewires the way that we think. So we're not just one time removing the lie. We're not just one time finding a scripture, but we're rewiring ourselves to think truth. Amen, church? Now, as we go into, um, as we go into communion, I did, there's, there's such a cool connection here because when we take communion every single week, what are we doing? We're forming a new neural pathway. We're saying, you know what? These passages, like we looked at in Romans 5, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we think these kind of thoughts every week about his love. Every week about how he died for us. We're we're rewiring our brain so that throughout the week we can live that out. So it's not to do it to become redundant and to lose its pizzazz and just because we're traditionalists. We do it to rewire ourselves to live out from the truth of God's love instead of the lies of Satan. So church, identify the lie. Remove the lie. Don't let Satan win anymore. Go to the scriptures and find the truth that speaks directly into that lie for you. And then take the time to meditate on it. Take the time to write a declaration and repeat it to yourself to rewire the way that you think so that we can live out God's love together in community. Amen? Let's pray as we take communion. Father God, you know exactly how we work. And I love finding new ways that science has found, like neural pathways, and seeing, man, 3,000 years ago, you were telling us to meditate and rewire the way that we think. God, God, I pray that you empower us and that you change us so that we don't believe Satan any longer, but instead we can stand on your truth. And Father, right now as we take communion and we take the bread and we take the juice, God, I pray that we can instill in our brains and live out being dearly loved sons and daughters of you. And we take the time to remember week in and week out so that we can point our brains and rewire our brains towards you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Amen.